0: Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. This is Jay Scott, your host for the next hour or so. Hope everybody's staying healthy, staying safe. Looks like we're going to be opening up here, at least in Chicago. I don't know what everybody else is doing in the rest of the country. I know some places have already began, you know, reintegrating and reopening the states. And and, uh, depending on where you're at... You know, there's just different types of regulation and different types of uh, stipulations that you've got to adhere by. I know I was out at the grocery store yesterday with my mask and gloves on. So I think that's probably going to be what the normal is, at least moving forward in the near future. But the long-term future is we'll kind of have to wait and see because no one really knows. And no one really uh, has ever experienced this before. So good luck to everybody as we reopen and stay healthy, stay safe. And hopefully we'll get back on track here with some live music and, you know, some some new music sooner rather than later. Speaking of new music, I'd like to welcome back a previous guest from the band The Cold Stairs, Mr. Chris Tapp. How you doing today, Chris? How's it going?
1: I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me back.
0: Yeah, man, it's a pleasure. You know, your original episode that released, I think, back in the fall, got a great reception. Um People really dug it. People really dug your story, which was just uh, very compelling and 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 just overcoming adversity and being where you're at right now. People really enjoyed it and got some really great feedback as a result of it. Great. So you've got some new stuff coming out, and you know I've been following you guys on Facebook. You guys do need a Twitter account because everybody keeps asking me when are they going to get a Twitter account. So. Um. <laughs> They, I've been following you guys on Facebook, and you guys were going to start doing some new music released every month. <clears throat> and then, a, or a new EP first was going to come out. And now you guys are going to be releasing a couple of tracks like the first of every month. What's going on with that?
1: Well, originally, we, the plan was going into this year, uh, in December for us to do three records this year, and that, um, it sounds like a lot, but we, we write, I write a lot. We, we don't have a, not, we don't have much of an issue. We both have studios in our home. We had been doing, um, um, kind of demos between uh, my house and Brian's house. And the goal, I mean, the goal of that was to get three out and then we were going to tour behind it. Our, we had, uh, we had Joe Bonamassa's tour, uh, in Europe in August. And then we had, uh, we were, scheduled to play rock usa which as of right now hasn't canceled that's uh july uh, in wisconsin and i just can't it's one of the bigger music festivals in the country i can't imagine that it will go on but as of now it hasn't canceled but we were also scheduled to do louder than life in uh, louisville and aftershock in um, sacramento california both of those with metallica headlining so with all uh, you know, we, we knew we had these festivals. We knew that we had a lot of big stuff coming up. So the plan was to do the three records and we'd have a lot to tour around, just have a lot going on this year. But, um, when that all went South, when we, so when we left Memphis, um, we, we recorded drums and guitar in Memphis and we were planning on going back in two weeks to finish. And that's, that's when everything locked down, locked down. So we had, uh, 11 songs, um, in memphis that would have been the first album of the year which was scheduled to come out in may and we didn't I, I just probably was a way for us to finish that without going to memphis but the whole the whole reason for going to memphis is that studio has some amazing reverb chambers and stuff there that we wanted to use so everything got put on hold and and i think um we'll just to be honest with you about the first month um i didn't know what to do you know i, I sat around the house and we're trying to kind of scrambling trying to figure out what to do uh and you know my my gripe most of the time is hey uh man i wish i had some time alone to <laughs> to make some music r- record some music and then i had all this time and but i was uh just kind of in the funk and um the thing with me is is if my, when i'm in the right mindset i could i mean i can write 10 songs and two days if I'm not in the right mindset I can't write my name you know so um, spent a little bit of time just trying to refigure things and then finally uh, it just hit I kind of got over it and I wrote uh, five songs and a day and a half I tracked all the guitars and the vocals in, in a day and sent it from my studio to Brian's studio we hadn't even seen each other at this point he tracked drums on it and sent it back to me so um, and then we sent it to a friend of ours in Memphis to mix. So we finished. A, we did the EP in like two days, and waited for it to be mixed. But um, the thought was, I wanted to do something that would get us some attention this year. That I thought the three records thing would be something that people could look back at the, at the year and go, "Hey, man, these guys put out three records of really good material." You know, it not without filler and whatever else. But now, without being able to tour and stuff, we kind of reconfigured. And I thought, you know, the thing, without getting to see our fans and then telling them that they had to have to wait until August or October for some of these records, maybe it's a good thing for us. Every two weeks, to just start putting out a new song and just plan on it for a year. We had enough material to do that. Um, So that's kind of, that's where we're at. So our plan is to, on one Friday have a new Cold Stair Song release, uh, single to iTunes and Spotify and stuff. And then the following weekend, we'll do a live performance, you know, it's stream online until we get out playing again. But I think you know, listening to some podcasts and stuff of kind of where albums are at anyway, but, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's a better way for us to engage with our fans going forward is continually putting out new stuff I still like the album format. So, as the singles, as ten singles come out that would have filled an album, then that album will be filled on Spotify. And if you want to listen to an album format, it'll be on there. But just trying to kind of reconfigure, reconfigure things, and and do something that we thought the fans would want, and also try to do something that somebody else is not already doing. When you think about
0: two thousand twenty, you know, ending two thousand nineteen, going into two thousand twenty. And looking forward to this year, you mentioned a lot of things that were happening and you know, a lot of things now have had to be paused. How does that make you feel like, like we're, we're, I mean, different people I've asked a similar question to have, you know, have mentioned, well, you know, we're all in this together. It's not like we're on this alone, but I, you know, there was a lot of momentum for a lot of bands out there leaving 2019 into 2020 and, it's all stopped and, you know, obviously at some point we're all going to come back out of our caves and our homes and, and get, try to get back to what is now the new normal. But what did that, you know, was it frustration? Was it, what kind of emotion did you guys have, you know, go, go through when, when all this was happening?
1: Well, in December, looking forward to this, at looking forward at this year, you know, I was kind of feeling like, man, we're finally there. We're finally, you know, we're finally at a point where, okay, we're playing the three biggest rock festivals. We're doing the, getting back over to Europe. Joe Bonamassa had, had said those kind things about us on Instagram, and was and was making an effort to help us. And um, really, all the pieces were lining up, and. um so when this happened, I think I told somebody the other day. I think if you had told me in this, in December, if you just said, hey "Man, you're not gonna none of the stuff is going to be fulfilled because of a virus that comes out of China from people eating bats," or, you know, something like that, I just wouldn't have. I mean, you might as well have said, "There's aliens going to come," and I probably would have believed that equally as well. So I was just kind of stunned. Um, I guess is the is the is the you know the right word and it probably took me a little bit to digest it but I have um, in my career and doing the cold stairs thing and really just in life in general I think that any time you kind of you kind of look at things and you go okay this is how this is going to go this is how the next year is going to go this is how my marriage is going to go this is how so my kids are going to be when they get older Anytime you, you do those things, I think you set yourself up um, to almost, it, it almost, every time, it's going to change. If that's one thing I've learned about life is that it it's, it's always never, it, it's never going to turn out the way you think it is. And um, I think once you get to a point where you see that and you go, okay, I know everything's fluid. And then with me, I just think everything happens for a reason. So I, I just, Finally, after I got my head around it, um, I said, "Okay, so this is where we're at now. How do I capitalize on this? How do I keep, you know, how do I keep going with this?" It's no different than being in a war, or being in a race. You look over and you see adversities come, you see people fall around you, and you can either, you know, doom and gloom it, fall with them, or you can say, "Okay, then there's a change in the road, there's a change in the weather." whatever else and how, how do I capitalize on that and with us I think it was okay people can't get out we know we got a live stream everybody's doing that that's the thing um what else can we do well what what can we give our fans that would put a smile on their face you know if they get a free song every other Friday um and that helps us connect with them more than you know then that's it and then um just looking at other ways, you know, so other things. So now we're, we're capitalizing on some things, but we don't have the overhead that we would have with the touring. Obviously we don't have the the income coming in as well. So how do we recoup that? How do we, you know, get around those things? And we're still kind of figuring those things out. Um, but you know, I think with everybody, um, I felt, you know, I felt horrible. I felt scared. you, you, you we, as humans, we all have, you know, I'll have the same emotions when something like this happens. I, one thing with me is I was really, really close with my, my grandfather and my great aunt, my great aunt died at 103 and, um, really was my best friend for a while. And I would go and have, you know, three or four hour conversations with her in her last 10 years of life, uh, weekly. Um, and I've, I really got that firsthand knowledge of what the great depression was like, uh, what it was like. She was a male, a uh, carrier. She worked the post office during world war two, what it was like to, um, to hear her tell the stories about the letters and everything else. So I know it's scary right now and I know there's a lot of stuff going on, but I, I, I don't, I don't believe the hype when people say it's worse than the great depression, this and that, because I, I'm, I'm also a student of history and, I've studied those things and and not that it's not bad and not that people haven't lost things, but I am, I'm just not going to get, it it would take a lot to really get me scared. And I don't know that I, you know, I don't know. I I, I probably look at things a little bit differently than most people, but um, I'm pretty optimistic in general.
0: I know you've dealt with some, you know, adversity prior to 2019, we talked about it in the last episode, you know, whether it was the, you know, the, the album that you know, was held hostage you know, with the music or it was with being sick. I imagine when you deal with something like that, I know I have dealt with some, some adversity too in life. I, I imagine that prepares you for things like this or helps you with the mindset of there's no other option but to get through this somehow, some way. And I know I draw on that, whether it's from a divorce, whether it's from, you know, being, you know, having dealt with a sickness before. How are you, do you draw from that those same things as well?
1: I think it it makes you, anybody that's kind of been through some rough stuff, at at another point when, you know, more bad things come or more adversity comes or, or more challenges come. You can either do two things. You can either look at it and you can say, "Damn, here's another here's another roadblock." I keep getting these roadblocks in my life, and I can look at somebody else's life and look at the smooth sailing that they have, and now uh, here's something else that's kept me from doing, you know, figuring out what I needed to do or accomplishing things that I wanted to do. Or you can look at it as, "Hey, uh, A, B, and C didn't knock me out." And D is not going to knock me out either, bring it on. Um, And I'm kind of in that mindset in general. Um, I just don't think that it does any good to sit around and and have a pity party about it. And I don't – not much for excuses. Um, There are points and times when any human – looks at has to look at situation has to look at what's good for them and their family. And they have to make a decision on, you know, moving forward or not moving forward. And I respect everybody's personal right to do whatever, you know, uh, make whatever decisions they need to make personally. I just don't, I don't think that you're going to be, if you're doing something and it's going to be positive for you and you're going to have, uh, Great reward. I just don't think you're going to have no adversity. My my grandmother used to say, you know, anytime something's going good for you, that's when the devil's paying attention. And I'm not for sure, you know, that that's not, it doesn't hold some ground as far as just the way that karma and the world works in general. There's a balance of good and evil, and or negative and positive, however, you know, you want to look at it. And you're not going to have one without the other. And the quicker that you learn to deal with adversity dealing with adversity I think is much more uh will will give you the outcomes that you want much more than how you deal with positive it's, e- it's easy to win uh you know it's easy to feel good when you win it's not so easy when things aren't going your way but it's a long it's a long it's a long game it's not a short game and um the thing that I learned early on was you, instead of saying, why me you say, why not me? You know. whatever we're going through, you know, I've never seen the, the battlefield in Afghanistan or Iraq, or Vietnam, you know, uh, even whenever the things that I've gone through, uh, health wise, most of those were later on in life, you know, uh, I'm not a seven year old that's passed away from cancer. Uh, I've always, always have to look at the positive things and, uh, you know, just keep fighting, man.
0: You you know, you mentioned your health just now and then, you know, the previous conversation we had in the fall. You know, with all this going on, with the pandemic really affecting people with pre-existing conditions, how does that, how do you deal with that? You know, how do you deal with the fact that, hey, you know, I'm going to be playing shows at some point. What do I need to do to take precaution? What do I need to do to you know, to protect your, you know, protect yourself?
1: Well, that's, you know, that's scary. You just have to, I just have to trust that everything will be all right and be as cautious and um, smart about things as I can. And, um, you know, just take it serious. You know, we're all going to go sooner or later from something. I don't, I don't want to check out any quicker than, than I absolutely have to. So I have to be careful. You know, I think, with all this happening, I have started to think, yeah, I probably should watch what I eat more. I probably should exercise more. I should probably take care of some things. And, um, I think anybody lo- looking at the situation, you probably, you know, this is a heck of a time to make sure you're taking care of yourself. Um, but I mean, it, I hear some people say, well, you know, it's not that bad. It's just a little bit worse than the flu or whatever else. But you know, John Prime's dead and he wouldn't have been if, at this point if he hadn't got COVID and, um there's a lot of other people that I that I know and that I've seen that have died from this and I keep you know I think I'll probably have some animosity and some anger when this is all over at something or somebody that this took some people life took some people's lives and took some people away from their loved ones for for some pretty stupid reasons you know
0: yeah it's um it's just a wild time you know like you said you know a few moments ago about if someone would have told me in you know 2019 in december or even january that you know the this pandemic that was created in china that you know was eating bats or some live animal or whatever it is it you know would shut down the country and it would for months and I would just been like you're crazy what are you talking about and here we are living it and here we are trying to find the right answers or the right course of action to proceed and you know how do you know what to do when you've never dealt with it before so it's just an interesting crazy time you know I've talked to many musicians many people in the industry about their creative process during this. Some people are very creative and they can find the, the, you know, the well of, of creativity. Other people, because they're not doing something or they're basically in their house all day, it's been very hard to find, you know, motivation or something that inspires them. You know, you mentioned yourself, you know, writing music, you know, when you're feeling it, how has this been? Has it been a constant flow of creativity or how, how, or has it been up and down has there been days where you couldn't find something or or then like 2 days later you're writing 3 4 songs
1: it's been absolute it's been absolute zero creativity for the first 2 months i mean i really should have the way that i work i, I could have finished 20 songs um, i just could not it completely zapped me creative you know my creativity I had my son home. He, he wasn't able to finish school. My wife's worried about keeping her business open. I just, and I kind of felt like I was living in a dream and I just, I couldn't. It, it And really, to be honest, it's probably the first time it's ever happened in my life where I really just got knocked out of being creative. So I bought a bike, rode, you know, ride bicycles with my son. Um, Watched, you know, bunch of kung fu movies and and uh, westerns and showed my 13 year old son sanford and son and made through about 70 episodes of that and then one day uh i was just i finally just, you know i'd sit down at the computer i got a new program uh that i was working on in the studio that um a drum does drum stuff and i built a couple beats uh in it and i just it just kind of inspired me and once once the light switch is turned on with me it's on on like i pretty much have to stop whatever i'm doing and um it's almost um i'm very aware of that spark and sometimes i'll feel it and i'll be very careful to get everything else pushed out of out of the way before i'll allow that to happen because i know i don't want to be Involved in something else, and that spark come because I know the songs are going to come. Um, so, everything that I've done creative over this thing has been in the last, uh, it's been in the last two and a half weeks, three weeks. And I was I was dead up there until this point, and I think watching the news and listening to Talking Heads on both sides of the aisle, and just our our media is so vile and so sick. And I think Washington, in general, in my opinion, is the same way. I kind of, I had that creative when that spark opened up. I just opened up the floodgate for all the emotions of of that. So I, I painted a picture with this EP that's pretty, pretty dark and mean, uh, but it's, it's kind of focused on uh, a lot of our leaders and a lot of our of our media's hypocrisy and just kind of, you know, it's being it's disgusted amazing. with that.
0: Yeah. You know, it's amazing, you know, cause I have a, I have a existing condition. I have diabetes, so I wear a mask and I see a lot of people wearing masks when they go out now. And I think that's great. I think that's a positive thing. You know, people don't want to get other people sick and they don't want to get themselves sick. It's hard to believe that wearing a mask has become a partisan issue. You know, it's like, I, 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 I'm just, that should not even be in the equation. You know what I mean? It should just be
1: like, Hey, this is what we need to do. It's so stupid. Yeah. It's so, it's so stupid that going into this, we have conditioned ourselves and talk to ourselves. This, this thing about not judging people's appearance or their lifestyle in the last three or four years. So we're going to, I'm going to walk into a pharmacy a year ago and see somebody dressed up as a cartoon character and I'm not going to judge them for that because our culture has said hey everybody's got a right to their own thing and don't judge but yet all of a sudden somebody wearing a mask for their own healthy for their own health or for the someone's else for someone else's safety they're choosing to wear a mask so they don't give it somebody's all of a sudden we're going to criticize that. It seems absolutely asinine to me. I I, I, I don't, I don't get that at all. My wife was in the store the other day and and a guy was in there without a mask and he was talking loudly and making some really stupid comments. And look, man, here's the problem. We in the world right now, I mean, it's probably no different than ever, but this, this, Internet and social media and all this stuff has made everybody—it made their everybody's opinion so boisterous and so so loud. We have so many, you know, there's so much stupidity being spewed out. Um, it just doesn't help anything. But I'm 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 totally with you, man. Um, I just I don't see I don't see anything positive on either side of politics and it's sad and sickening to me that there is nobody left that seems to have much common sense. Um, that, you know, you have to, if you, if you agree with point a, then you have to be this kind of person. If you agree with point B, you have to be this kind of person where, the whole time I was growing up, the people that I idolized and looked up to and admired all were people that said, Hey, man, I kind of feel like A, but I don't know. It's B thing. Let's, let's have a discussion about that. You know, it's just being open minded always seemed very American to me and seemed very, uh, you know, something to aspire to. And, and right now it seems like everybody wants to put everybody in a box and tell everybody how they are. I, I think
0: it's disgusting. Well, it's the act of listening. Nobody <laughs> nobody wants to listen to each other. Nobody wants to, you know, hear, like you said, be open-minded, but hear a different point of view. You know, it's always about what you believe, what you feel is right. Everyone else is wrong. Every, on the other side is an idiot. On the other side is a jerk. And I, I, I don't know where or how and when that happened, but it's just crazy. You know, I, I've mentioned this a few times on the podcast you know, and this seems so trivial now, but you know, we we talk about if a liberal artist says something that's a liberal point of view, you got to boycott. If a conservative artist, you know, says something conservative, you got to boycott. Why do you got to boycott anything just because someone has a different opinion? I don't understand that. Um,
1: you yeah, know, I heard yeah. I heard somebody doing somebody did a podcast with. Um, I was listening to it the other day. I can't remember who it was, but. They were talking to, um somebody that was, that had played with Ted Nugent for a while, and I don't, I don't personally share any. I'm not. I'm. I am not i do not saying I have any agreements with Ted Nugent or any disagreements. I, I, I'm. I'm completely. I don't. I don't care what Ted Nugent does in his personal life. And this person said the same thing. They said, I. Ted Nugent was nice to me while I was in the band he was super nice guy. And I never gave a damn about anything other than his music that he made. I was in the band with him. I wasn't in his church and I wasn't his cousin and I wasn't. And I think prior to the internet, you know, I never, I, I never knew what Paul Stanley thought about politics. I never knew what Jimmy Page thought about, uh, you know, the president or, or how he felt about Israel. It's like, I don't, I don't care about any of that. We we should honor our artists for their art, and I don't, I don't really think there needs to be a discussion on anything else. And I, I totally agree with you. I just, um, I'm not boycotting. I'm uh, other than hurting animals or molesting children. There's not a whole lot that I really, I don't care about somebody's politics if, or or what they think about life differently than me. If I admire their art. Just let me have the art. You know, it's the same as a plumber. If I hire a plumber and he comes over here and he fixes the pipes at my house and he's a nice guy when he comes in and he's respectful, I really don't care if he listens to rap or rock or country. And I don't care if he goes to the Mormon church or the, the Muslim church synagogue, yep. whatever, you know, like,
0: no, I, I agree. You know, I mean, I, I'm, I feel the same way about Ted Nugent. But I still love the song "Stranglehold." I still love "Cat Scratch Fever." I still love "Great White Buffalo," and, and you know nothing's going to change on that. And I just don't know why that has to be that way. Why, if someone has a different viewpoint, you need to throw out all their records or throw out all their movies or stop buying their stuff? I just I don't get that. Why do you want to take the joy that something's given you for years just because someone doesn't agree with what you believe? I, I that you know. That makes no sense. And I, and I hope we start to to go back to the way things were, where we listen to people, where we value other people's opinions. And I think the world's a better place if we do that.
1: I, I totally 100% agree with you. I just posted something the other day about uh, you know Roger Waters is is raising Cain again about something with David Gilmore. And the thing that I admire about Gilmore is he doesn't get involved in the rhetoric or the arguments he's just does his music and that's i'm trying to be more and more like that and I, I admire people that can just burn down the noise and just make their art you know
0: so the new music is on its way for the cold stairs you've got a lot of stuff happening from you know i think what july 1st is when you're going to start putting the new stuff out
1: well, we had originally, the the first single was supposed to come out June 5th, um, but our distributor is about two weeks, about 10 days behind um, pushing music out just from uh, staff um, and, and being down with COVID. So I think what I'm going to do is, uh, it was going to start June 5th. It's going to start two weeks after now. So I think that that's the 19th. And that first weekend, I'll probably drop two new songs and then we'll be on a schedule. We'll be right on the schedule to drop a new cold stare song, uh, every two weeks.
0: And then for how long is that like 10 songs? So five weeks You'll release releasing two per week?
1: No, no. I originally thought 24 months, but I'm, I am, I'm locking down to 12 months. So 24 new songs for sure. I, I, it, if, if the process works, um, and the fans enjoy it and it and it helps, you know, helps our cause. I probably will continue doing that for the foreseeable future, just because we've built a bank and I've got 14 songs now, um, ready to go. So that gives us, you know, what, 28 weeks, uh, that's on, you know, half a year that I've already got. Well, so that, that frees me up for the next six months to go ahead and write some more. So, um. Probably gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna see how this. How this works. I've committed to the fans for the first 12 months, and that's exactly what I'm gonna do. And then if that works, we we may even release more music than that. We may throw uh, an EP or something in there. That that's the one thing that we don't. You know, it's the one thing that we don't have a, a slow down button on is writing and recording. So.
0: It's interesting that you guys have the flexibility to change course in making music, you know, or putting out music, I should say. You know, a lot of bands that may be bigger or have a bigger stage don't have that flexibility. I imagine for you guys that's a benefit for you and your fans.
1: Well, I think that um, bands that are self-releasing albums, have that flexibility bands that are on record labels probably do not. We um, had three label offers, the three labels that we were talking to uh, for this next record. And if, if we went with any of the, you know, any of the labels and including our last label, Anti-Fragile, um, that, I mean, they, they wouldn't want to do it like that. I don't, I can't foresee how a label deal would work. When you're not releasing, when you're just doing singles, um, that would that would be smart. That would be wise, especially if you're not touring right now. Now, I don't know what the label would provide. I mean, if you really look at it, um, you know, I I think for a rock band that's proficient and that can uh, play the instruments and go in and you know record, you can make a record for three. Three to four, three to five thousand dollars now. You know, used to be quite a bit more than that. Um, So, if you can come up with that capital to do that, then the other capital that you would be seeking from the record company would be uh, PR and and some other stuff. And a healthy budget for that, you know, might be ten grand. So, even that, if you can bust your butt and do some fundraisers or Kickstarter or you know, you're smart about your income that's coming in. Uh, we put a lot of our income that comes in back in the band, do that. Then I, do, I don't see a, a point in signing with the label. And if you're not signed to label, you can do whatever you want. to. Do. And so that is one of the, the, the flexibility, uh, is one of the, the aspects of us releasing our own music, uh, that we enjoy.
0: Plus, you don't have to deal with any of the politics, too. You know, I mean, you're making the music, you're making it how you want to make it, how you hear it in your ear, and your mind, and you're able to put that right directly into the fans' hands, which is really an awesome process. I mean, you know, I, I grew up years ago where that just didn't happen, you know, and I think with social media and the internet, it gives a lot of artists like the Cold Stairs to develop a following, but also have a different relationship with the fan that maybe you wouldn't have had had you been around 10, 20 years ago, been on a label and, and not been able to do the things creatively, you know, creatively that you do now.
1: Yeah, I think, um, I mean, it's obviously things are way different than 10 or 20 years ago. Up, uh, it 10 or 20 years ago, we, we might would had more income coming in off the record, but the label would be taking a lot, but we definitely wouldn't have, I mean, I get messages and emails, um, Stuff from people in Australia, Sweden, and Japan, and um, Italy. Uh, I get those messages every day. That we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't have seen that kind of stuff from a record label or record deal ten years ago. So the aspect of that in social media um, is, you know, it's like what we're talking about. You just have to adjust the the, the landscape's differently. Landscape is different now, and so how do you? And you navigate it versus then? And I will say with the record deals that we've had, um, the only record deals that we have taken, the deal with Small Stone and the deal with Anti-Fragile, both of those labels and both of those guys, uh, Scott Hamilton and uh, Tom Sear both said, hey, do whatever you want to do. Neither one of those guys um, asked us to change anything on the album, asked us to... I mean, I had complete control over the artwork over all the songs and um everything else. so the only deals that we've ever taken have been where we we retained creative control early on um when we went through the deals and we were looking at Hollywood records and um Island and some of those things yeah they i' um, they would have probably scoffed at half the you know any anything with a the religious theme probably wouldn't have been on there. And then we probably would have been putting out one record a year and everything would have been quite different. So um, I always recommend and and would advise anybody that's an artist to, you know, you want to, that's part of being, that's part of being an artist is having creative control. If it's, if you're partnering with somebody that you really admire and you want their input on it, then that's one thing, but to have somebody at a record label that, that doesn't make art, so you, what you're going to have in your art, <laughs> I think it's fairly ridiculous too. So,
0: What excites you about the new material? You know, I mean, last year, the Waze album was one of my favorite albums of the year. It's a phenomenal record. Now, as you have evolved into making new material, what what excites you? What's different about this stuff than previous material?
1: Um, the first four songs that have come out over the next couple months are the the EP songs or the ones we did at the house. Um, my house studio and brines they'll they're they're quite different from ways um guitar wise I've, I've, i I've—I've got an endorsement with fender uh last year and i've been using some different guitars and some different pedals so this this ep the first four songs that, that will come out this year are fuzzy and um they're just uh they're a little bit different than they're also different because we didn't write them in the same room. You know, sometimes Brian and I'll jam through something and I'll write lyrics to it or these, us writing, putting this together in two separate spots made it a little bit different. But after these four EP songs are out, then the songs from the heavy shoes record will start coming out. And those were recorded in Memphis, same studio. We did um, the ways record and they're, they're quite a bit more like Waze, um, a little bit more bluesy. Um, they still have some different guitar aspects than what I'd done prior. Um, but they probably, uh, there's 10 songs on that record, and they're probably fall a little bit more in line with what Waze, where Waze was headed. This EP is kind of coming out of left field. Um, I, I wrote the drum track in the basement and i wrote all the stuff around it and um it's just a it was just a different process that uh, the output of that is a little bit different and i wanted it fuzzy and mean, not necessarily what i would do live or what we would play live i wasn't really considering that i was just trying to be you know that spark like we talked about it happened i was just trying to be creative and so they're a little different i'm, I'm um and it's also the first time we've done We've always produced our own music. Uh, This is the first time that we've recorded it completely in our own studio. So I was a little apprehensive about um, hoping that it sounded as good as Waze in a different way. But, uh, you know, we we were really happy with the Waze record. Sonically, we wanted to be on par with that.
0: When you're writing music, when you're (laughs) writing music, you know, the lyrics to songs, and you're trying to tap into the vulnerability of that something happened to you or writing about a life experience and you got to reconnect with that experience, good or bad. And then you, you lay down the the, the track and you, and you put the lyrics to it, you record it, you produce it, and you send it out. What type of feeling do you get when you wrote something personal and you had to reconnect with it all over again to now you're waiting to see what the fans connection is to it? Is, Is, that? in your mind when you're doing something, or do you just write for yourself and hopefully people will enjoy it?
1: I just write for myself. I don't, uh, and, and really, to be honest, I don't, there's very rarely do I go, okay, I'm writing this song and this, is this is about my grandfather. Or this is about my ex-wife or this is about, uh, you know, something traumatic that happened. I don't usually write from that, um, from that narrative. Um, Usually, you know, it's, it sounds crazy, but usually I just, once that spark happens and I kind of open up, I don't really, it's almost like I'm unconscious. I just write what comes out. And then a lot of times looking back on it later, I go, Oh, I know where that came from or I can see, um, I can see where that strikes a nerve in me, you know? Um, there are a couple times that I'll write, I'll, I'm thinking about something specifically and I've written a song about it. I wrote a song about my wife on the last record. I But even that, I, I, I wrote it out of love. I didn't write it out of, hey, I'm, I I want to put a song on a record. Uh, I just had it. I had no intention of putting it on the record and then just got on it. Up, our label liked it and wanted to put it on the record. But um, I worry that our fans will enjoy something sonically i'm apprehensive sometimes that i want i want our fans listen to it go hey man the record really sounds great i would be i would be obliterated if if i put something out and our fans came back and said man it it just doesn't sound good outside of that I, i never consider um i never consider what the fans would think about the songwriting or Um, I never consider what they would think about the topic or anything else. It has to please me. And, um, I think it has, it, it has to be super honest. If you asked me to write a song about, um, something that I don't connect to or, or feel strongly about, I don't think I'd write a good song about it. If you, and sometimes I write about a feeling about something like, um, you know, say, take the river, uh, it's acoustic song about, uh, a guy, a guy and his lover getting killed. Um, you know, obviously I don't, I don't have that story. That's not something I've lived through, but I came from a town where that kind of narrative could happen. And those characters in that song are in that town. And, also, when I'm writing something like that, I'm thinking it's an homage. It's in the storyline of something that Johnny Cash and John Prine and and the people that I admire. It would be in their realm. So it's not necessarily a song about something in my past, but it's I'm. It's a song that fits in somewhat in a box for me, as far as the components that I'm trying to to put in it. But um, I think if you're trying to write things. That you think other people, because you think other people are going to like it, that's a pretty tough one. <laughs> that's uh try to do that early on as far as getting a record deal, trying to write songs I thought the label would like. And the only kind of success I've ever had is writing things that are honest and true to me. So I'll, I'm sticking with that.
0: With the new music coming out, you know, the strong record last year with Waze, was there a conscious effort to stretch yourself and try to do things differently on these recordings, on these albums? Um, or was it a fine tuning of what you guys have been successful at?
1: Yeah, I think every time, uh, every time we go to start a project, I mean, I don't want to record. Um, I did a, I did the Waze record and I was really proud that it had three different components. It had acoustic component, it had a more of a bluesy tone, and it had a heavy tone. So I've done that. I don't really want to do that again uh, with the heavy shoes album that would have been the follow up to ways, um, that album had a tone through the entire album. Um, there was no ballads. There's no acoustic songs. It is a heavy blues record start to finish. And that's what we aspire to do with it. And so, yeah, I'll look at it. I'm not going to use the same guitar tones I used on anyway, the wind blows or one of the other ones. Um, not that there's anything wrong with it. There's a few bands that do that. ACDC, the cult, you know, there's been some bands that kind of keep that same narrative and, and go with it. Um And I'm not saying that I wouldn't return to that someday, but I want everything to be interesting and uh, new when it comes out. So, um, yeah, the, the sonically, I want it to be a little bit different and topic wise. Um, I'm trying to touch on some things, you know, that I haven't gone, I haven't already. I don't want to write the same, you know, Johnny Cash can do a lot of songs that are in the same, they feel like Johnny Cash songs, but they might not be the same topics, but they have the same feel. I think it's always what I'm trying to do as well.
0: When you think about things eventually opening back up, do you? does Cold Stairs have a plan to you know, attack. You know what's gonna and when when things do, when clubs open up, when people are allowed to start playing live, and people are start are allowed to start going to see live music again. Have you thought about that, um, or is it just kind of a wait and see still?
1: No, we're already looking forward to it. I mean, we so the Bonamata cruise has moved to August of uh, twenty one um, louder than life has moved, you know, it's a new date in 21. So everything that we had that canceled, um, we had a West coast run that had some festivals and some other big shows, all that stuff canceled. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get all that stuff back on the books. We're not going anywhere. And I don't have any fear that, um, that things won't get back open. It may look different. It may be different and whatever then is, that we'll embrace it. But, um, we're ready to go. Actually, uh, we booked a festival today, um, for July. It's an outdoor festival in uh war trace, uh, about an hour outside of Nashville. And, um, you know, we were glad, we were glad to do it. I'm sure with it being an outdoor festival that the people that are putting it on are going to have in mind some distancing things and as fans, we have to be, you know, same as if I'm going to see shows out outdoors or wherever. We have to be cognizant that there are some people that could be at risk, and we want to be take precaution and be safe about it. So, um, but yeah, we're we're ready to go. One thing that I would say is that um, you have to look at at like I look at this thing as we should have been doing live stream concerts before this. We should have looked at what is the best plan for releases uh maybe a little bit more closely we should have been engaging our fans with merchandise uh more you know we've been doing a t-shirt a month the last couple months the fans have been eating them up and those things have paid the utilities on our homes and um you know we should have been looking at some things that we didn't have our eyes on prior to the shutdown And so now when things open back up, in addition to the touring things, I think we need to continue on the things that we've learned during the shutdown. So doing both of those things, hopefully.
0: Yeah. I, out of something bad, something good always happens, right? You know, like with this whole pandemic, it causes you to reassess your approach and, you know, audit what you guys are currently doing to, you know, connect with the fans And I imagine there's a lot of positivity that comes out of it. Like you just said, you know, we should have been doing this a long time ago. We should have been doing so. It puts that focus on something. Maybe you wouldn't have been able to really see those things had this not happened.
1: I think that that's the only way. That's the only way to keep any sanity and and look forward at it. Uh, You have to find the positivity uh, in it. And it's true. I mean, those are things we had 300 and something people on the Facebook live stream the other night. You know, we, you know, look, we were, we're learning this stuff too. We had some issues with sound and everything else. Those are things that we have to figure out and that we have to work out. I watch one of my favorite bands, Clutch. They did a live down YouTube and they had issues. And, um, I think with us looking at it, um, we're, I'm always trying to think about our fans because we're not a band that had record label that spent a million dollars on pr when they first came out and and got a bunch of fans the fans that we have we've gradually won and so i am always uh thinking about what could we give the fans what could we do for the fans uh to help grow that relationship to help grow more fans um and i think all these all these things i mean i should have thought about live stream you know i get on and do instagram live every now and then and people People, it's, it is very odd to me that, that someone would post something on Instagram and I would reply and thank them. And I get somebody that messages me and says, Hey, man, uh, it really meant a lot to me that you replied. I'm like, Man, what, what, you know, if as long as I have time in the day from now until the day that I'm off this rock, I would always, do my best to respond and take time to anybody that is supporting uh, the thing that I work so hard at. It's like um, that seems uh, I can't imagine an artist that, that wouldn't be Now You know, I'm sure that everybody gets somebody that's a little overzealous ever. I mean, we, we have those people too. They mean, they, they had the same, um, you know, they, they had the same end goal. They're, they're trying to express that what you're doing meant something to them. So, I, I think that uh, I don't know. I think that's a good recipe for any band is be cognizant of of your fans and put them first. And we're trying to always always thinking about trying to do that, whether it's live streams or whatever going forward.
0: Yeah, but it's also the larger issue too, right? I mean, music now gives you the ability to because of social media connect with your fans more and you know fans have the ability Absolutely. to you know so that's all a great thing that's all i think that's you know a, a wonderful aspect of how music is now whereas you know when i was growing up i couldn't imagine connecting with an artist that i liked and having them communicate with me and having a back and forth on social media i i couldn't i couldn't imagine that and there was always a wall there that doesn't yeah, really it's, exist it's, now it's,
1: yeah it's still crazy to me i, I mean I, I have conversations with Joe Bonamassa every now and then. I have conversations with David Grissom. I have conversations with people that I idolized um because of where we're at and it's 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 unreal. I haven't haven't said that. I think whenever I was a kid the the guys that I really idolized uh almost did I almost didn't want to know too much about them or I don't know how I would have been you know I don't think there's any nervousness now I can't imagine meeting somebody because social media and everything else I, I feel like I know everybody anyway you know you, you feel like there's not that many bands that kind of hold it close to their chest that you don't know you know there's or there's much mystery left but you know i probably probably still be like that and put me in a room with Eric Clapton I probably would you know but in, in general we're all kind of out there now you know can see, you can see it all. John Mayer, you know, John Mayer's on there, being personal on Instagram, as as personal as personal can get for a long time. Sometimes I don't, you know. Sometimes I mean, you might not want to be that close to your artist. You want to revere them from a distance, and that way you can keep them on a pedestal. And, you know, I don't know.
0: The new music. Is going to be coming out in June. I've had the pleasure to listen to one of the tracks uh, that you sent me. It's absolutely phenomenal. Your fans are going to love it. Um, the song is "The Wicked and the Cursed." It's got a great vibe to it. It's got a great sound to it. And looking forward to more stuff. What are I mean is that is that the first single that you guys are going to be releasing?
1: Yeah, that that's the first one. That's the first one out. And I'm thinking of all of them a little bit differently than singles or albums. So we're just going to start, I mean, here's the thing. If it's not good enough to come out as a single, I don't think we should put it out. So, and, and that doesn't mean that we think it's catchy enough to be a single or anything else. We just want them all to be that strong. Um, but that's the, that's the first one coming out. And it's the first one that we kind of finished. And that's the only reason there, you know, it's not that I have a preference for it. I particularly like that one because the guitar stuff on it, but, um, they're all, you know, I, li- I do like them. I like all these, all, all four of the new EP things were a nice break and departure.
0: Well, looking forward to the new music. Uh, like I said, I heard the first track. I was blown away by it. Couldn't stop listening to it when you sent it to me. Looking forward to more stuff. Thanks again, Chris, for being on the podcast. You, you, another uh, you know, great conversation. Always uh, enjoy and appreciate your time.
1: Thank you so much for having me again. I really appreciate it.
0: Once again, everybody, that's Chris Tapp from The Cold Stairs. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Stay strong, stay healthy. We'll chat again soon. Thank you.